Welcome to the How to Buy or Sell a Business Successfully podcast. The concepts discussed in this podcast are for informational purposes only. No attorney-client relationship is intended or formed by this podcast. No legal advice is intended in the substance of this podcast. Feel free to check out our website, www.goformandlaw.com. Enjoy the show and welcome your hosts, Jake Wayman and Sam Foreman. Welcome back to another episode of the How to Buy or Sell a Business Successfully podcast. We're in an initial series of 12 episodes providing an overview of how deals work and covering key concepts. We just talked about understanding the seller's priorities, what are their risks, what are they you know, what do they often value and some practical tips on on how to understand those. And today we're going to talk about whether an asset deal is a good structure for your deal. I'm Sam Foreman. I'm a business attorney. I love K-State football, and this has been a very good season for me. I get a really good season once every decade. And so I'm going to savor this moment. And this is Jacob Wayman. Yeah, my name is Jake Wayman. I and my wife and I are the owners of the Orange Theory Fitness Studios here in town. And I'm kind of a college mutt. I... I went to WSU, went uh-huh. to KU, went to Newman. So, and my wife is a huge Nebraska Cornhuskers fan. So I'm kind of mixed in everything I with think what I like. We're gonna have to briefly pause the podcast so I can yell at you, and then and then we'll resume. Okay. <laughs> and may God have mercy on your soul. I got a wild card question for you today. Who is the most famous person you've ever met? Sam Foreman. Oh, thanks. You need to get out more. No, in all seriousness, though. Yeah. Anyways, uh, mine is uh, Marcus Allen. So he was an uh, NFL yeah. running back. I actually got to meet him. He was in town here in Wichita and actually got to have him sign a football and everything, too. So uh, oh, it's pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Yeah. I pretty cool. It was awesome. What about you? The most famous person I've ever met. I can't I can't think of anyone extraordinarily famous at the moment. The most famous person I was in close physical proximity to was President George W. Bush when he came to the Brown versus Board of Education location when it was opening a museum in Topeka a number of years ago. And that was a really cool, really sure. cool. So let's talk about what an asset deal is. It's it's pretty straightforward. A lot of folks are probably familiar with it, but just for clarity, it's a deal in which the buyer purchases assets from the seller, and it often involves the buyer assuming some of the liability to the seller and assuming some of the seller's contracts. So it's a deal directly between you know, the buyer and the seller entity. So not necessarily the owners, even though the owners are often often involved in the transaction from a practical standpoint, also from a legal standpoint. So let's let's talk about what are some some key considerations to think through in evaluating whether an asset deal is a good structure for your deal. And I want to preface this by saying, you know, we specifically aren't tackling it from the standpoint of what is the best because you frequently don't know what it is. There's too many unknowns that you learn during the deal process. And so as you're thinking about what's a good structure, go through a good process to figure out what works really well for you and for your deal based on what you know and based on what your priorities are and the other party's priorities are. But know that that's kind of your objective is let's find a really good structure because best is if you're if you're pursuing perfection, you're going to get hung up on that. And you're going to lose lose out on progress. So and, and the other caveat to that is that there's frequently ways to make the economics and the legal risks get pretty doggone close between the various deal structures. It's just a matter of being able to be creative enough with them. And so even if you're an asset deal, or you're a stock deal, you can usually get there with what you need based on the party's priorities. 
So, so let's, let's talk about some specific considerations, you know, from, from a buyer's perspective, Jacob, why don't you talk about how you kind of viewed your deal and why that, why that approach might've made sense to you at that point or what were some key considerations for you? Yeah. So when we bought Orange Theory, we, it was an asset purchase is Mm -hmm. what it was. And so we set up our own entity to purchase the assets from the previous owner's entity. And, you know, for us, I mean, that made the most sense because it was, I felt it it almost felt like a fresh start is Mm -hmm. what it was. I mean, granted, we were operate, buying an operating business that was functioning, flowing, but it was a fresh start for an organization. So, I mean, our entity started on, you know, January 1st, 2020, and, you know, we got it off the ground. So, I mean, for us, I mean, as a buyer, I felt it actually, it's a lot, it was a lot smoother process to be an asset purchase for me is what mm-hmm. I felt too on that, on that, you know, cause we did have the flexibility to, you know, pick the assets that we wanted. There were certain things that we excluded from the purchase that we didn't really want and need Mm -hmm. or anything. And so, you know, that's kind of, it was a way to really, you know, there was, we didn't have to buy some of his liabilities. There's a lot Mm -hmm. of, there's a lot of good things about it, but also a lot of negative things about it too. I mean, it's kind of both ways, but Mm -hmm. you know, that's when we looked at it from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah, no, that's, that's great. And that's, that's what often drives a lot of buyers that we we work with is that flexibility to pick the assets Mm -hmm. that you want. And Mm -hmm. frequently it's, Hey, I want everything, but sometimes it isn't. Sometimes there's things that the seller values more than the buyer does. And those can add value to the process by being an excluded asset. Well, especially in our situation, Mm -hmm. we're doing an asset purchase. I mean, we were buying treadmills for an example, were mm-hmm. part of the asset pur- purchase with our, with our facilities. And it was really hard to put a number on what those were worth, mm-hmm. you know, from a valuation standpoint, because we had a, an even membership too. So what is purchasing members look like from an, from right. an organization standpoint? Yeah. So, you know, and also when you're doing an asset purchase, I mean, there, you're having the risk of some of the assets you're purchasing may not like members, for an example, a lot of blue sky may not be so blue when you get there. Mm-hmm. You know, there's a lot of things to take in consideration when you do it too. Yeah, no, a- absolutely. Absolutely. And and for those that aren't familiar with the term blue sky or goodwill, that's kind of the value of the business that exceeds what maybe the sale value, if you're mm-hmm. going to go buy it at fair market <clears throat> value, even though that's a really squishy term for the business might be. So if you had, you know, $100,000 in inventory and somebody was paying 200 grand for it, that that difference might be blue sky yeah. or goodwill. Yeah. Another key driver for folks is often the tax you know, on the buy side is often the tax benefits or advantages. When you're buying in an asset deal, you get the the cost basis. So if you pay a million bucks for the assets, you get, you know, cost basis. Generally speaking, you get cost basis of a million bucks in those assets. And then you can start depreciating yeah. them from that basis. Yeah. And you don't get that benefit often in a, in a, in a stock transaction. Some other considerations to keep track of is, is assignment of contract. If you're doing an asset deal, just like you discussed with, you know, when you're acquiring customers, you may have, you know, contracts that need to be signed or just brand new contracts to be entered into mm-hmm. with folks. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think that that's is because in like our like organization, we have membership and a lot of them have contracts mm-hmm. and, you know, it's making sure that those contracts will come over to you. They don't have to sign brand new contracts, those sort of things. And, you know, also in our situation, it's, you know, it's there, you, there, you need to have internet, you need to have, you know, mm-hmm lights that are on, you know, you need to have electricity, all these different things. I mean, those are the smaller contracts that you don't really think about, but those all got to get transferred and understanding where those are at and how do you get them transferred and everything. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, but Mm -hmm. I mean, it's even those small, small details that matter. 
No, absolutely. And that's a good segue into talking about third-party rights. Mm -hmm. Because especially when you're doing an asset deal, the contracts may not be assignable. You may want to take on the relationships. You may want to take over the contracts for whatever reason. And if there's a a provision that says that they can't be assigned without consent, then you got to go get consent. If there's a lot of people that need to consent, that can be a big a big process. I know you had one you were, you were describing to me earlier that was a real pain in the butt. I think it was with you was with, with either your internet provider or yeah. your communications provider and and that may have taken a really long time and you know especially where those are important relationships you need to have them on your radar, you need to have them as part of your integration plan as a buyer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as a seller, you want to make sure that your buyer is aware of because you want to have a good process. You want your your buyer to be really happy with the outcomes and you don't want to rely on well you should have known. <laughs> well, and also on a seller standpoint, it's having all the assets, known assets that, uh-huh. that are out there, have them listed, have them very mm-hmm. easily, you know, accessible, you know, and mm-hmm. as a buyer, you know, making sure that you're finding that asset list. And so you know what you're going to be buying. Yeah, exactly. Because some assets, you know, require particular filings. They may have tax aspects to them, you mm-hmm. know, real estate, for example, certain personal property taxes that may apply. And so there's all kinds of things to be aware of when you're you're actually transferring those assets. You know, asset deals could also include something called bulk sales tax. Um, this doesn't apply in every situation, but you always want to be thinking about sales and use tax whenever you're or other local or state level taxes that might apply regardless of which side of the transaction you're on, because you need to know if they apply and if so, who's going to pay them as part of the deal. A lot of sellers just generally dislike asset deals because the sellers can often retain known and unknown liabilities. Most asset deals will say, hey, here's the liabilities I'm taking on and I'm only taking on these liabilities, which is part of the reason buyers like them. From a seller perspective, that means that you're still on the hook for it. And so that's something you need to be aware of and and be mindful of in the process. But then also the tax treatment. For a lot of sellers, you know, the tax treatment of a of an asset deal is, you know, is worse than a, than the tax treatment of like a stock deal, for example. And that again comes back to understand what the party's priorities are, understand how the economics work out. Um, and then figure out how to adjust them. Because especially on something like taxes, a lot of times that's just figure out what the difference in the tax treatment is and you know, adjust the economics of the deal accordingly. And a lot of times that can work it out. An asset deal can increase, you know, just as we talked about, it can increase the amount of work to get a deal done. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. But when you increase the number of moving pieces, um, you know, it can definitely add some work to, to the deal. And we talked about some examples of that with with contract assignments. You know, if you've got deeds that need recorded, you know, legal title that needs to to be changed over to assign all of that stuff, it can it can add a lot of pieces. But you can also have those pieces with stock deals. And so, you know, that's again where to your point earlier of asking good questions and really paying attention to what's going on. And if you're on the sell side, making sure that you're disclosing information really well is really helpful and helping all the parties figure out what the best, best, I said it again, what a good structure is. <laughs> um, in your transaction, did you have to pay any transfer or termination fees to vendors on the buy side? Well, so we're franchise. So yeah, we had mm-hmm. some transfer fees and mm-hmm. paid the franchisee or franchisor mm-hmm. as a franchisee mm-hmm. to become one. There had to be a transfer fee between him transferring his rights over to us. And so there mm-hmm. were some fees that were attached to that. When it came to like the smaller contracts, not so much, but yeah, some of the bigger line items. Yeah, there was actually some some uh, some transaction and transfer fees that had to, to go into play there. I think on his end, I don't know if he had any termination fees because there's a couple things mm-hmm. that he didn't want to take on anymore that he needed mm-hmm. to cancel. And so I don't know what it looked like on 
his and on what contracts he was under. Sure. But, yeah. Yeah. And that's, and that's something that you, you run into more frequently on an asset deal just because of how most contracts are structured with, you know, with third parties, but you know, more frequently going to run into transfer fees or termination fees, but they can certainly be involved in other deal structures as well. Yeah. I just wish the vendors like unnamed and internet service providers would make transfers a lot easier mm -hmm. versus trying to find and navigate that space because it was a lot of paperwork, a lot of phone calls to just get our internet switched over to a different person's name. So, yeah, goodness. What a, what a pain in the butt. Last topic we want to cover real briefly is just some practical <clears throat> considerations as you're thinking about this particular structure and whether or not it's a good structure for you. My first, my first thought is, is really, really involve your team early. You know, the folks that have had a lot of deal experience, whether it's a mentor, whether it's a coach, whether it's your attorney, your tax advisor, you know, probably a blend of all of them at some point. It's really, really useful to get them involved early enough to help get the ship pointed in the right direction because mm -hmm. that can save you a lot of time and, and create a lot of value in the process. And then, you know, just take the time to understand what the other party's scorecard is and take the time to understand what your scorecard is. What are the top couple of things that really drive the deal for you so that you can figure out how to optimize that value? Yeah. Yeah. yeah no, I think for me, it's, it, I just say, know the details on both sides, mm -hmm. you know, as a seller or a buyer, it's understanding if it's going to be, if it is going to be an asset deal is, you know, as a seller, understand what assets that you're going to be selling. Mm -hmm. And then on the buyer side is what are you going to be getting? And I think, you know, really having a better understanding of that. Um, yeah, would help a lot. No, that's great. So what's what's your number one thought for the day? I think this could probably go on every one of our podcasts, but it's being patient and breathe. Well, I think so many times we try to rush through things. So we may rush to say, oh, this needs to be an asset deal. We have to do this, but it's really being patient, breathing and, and you know, really understanding, is this the best structure for it? Mm -hmm. You know, it's a, and many times some deals feel like it's a sprint, but you know, overall it's a marathon because this mm -hmm. business is going to continue forward after you make that purchase. And so, you know, you want to make the best decision for what may happen down the road in three or four years. Mm -hmm. So just trying to get the deal done, just to get the deal done. And it may end up being not a great setup afterwards. You got to have that into consideration. So be patient. Yeah, no, that's great. I think my number one thought is to remember that with enough patience, creativity, and communication, you can make most deal structures have similar outcomes. And so just take the time in that process, mm -hmm. which I think is kind of the, the unifying theme there is, is it takes time and give it the time that it needs to maximize value for you. Yep. Well, thanks again for joining us on our podcast. Please join us next time as we address the question, is a stock deal a good structure for your deal? Thank you for joining us today. For future episodes, please subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And please check out our website at www.goformanlaw.learning.